Well, good morning. Glad you were with us today. If you missed last night, you missed a great thing. We uh, had a worship night here, kind of a, a hour and a half of just a worship and prayer time, and I prayed for the Kairos Prison Ministry, and also uh, uh, this team just played for an hour and a half or so, and it was just awesome. And we're going to do that a couple of times next year, so uh, be watching for that. We'll do a better job of promoting it and publicizing it and making sure you know weeks and weeks and weeks in advance so you can bring your friends and uh, all that kind of thing. By the way, speaking of which, it's November, and so uh, be thinking about, be thinking about and praying about who you're going to invite to be with us on uh, Christmas Eve and Christmas morning. Uh, we are going to have a service on Christmas morning. I know some churches are canceling. Uh, it just doesn't seem quite right to me to cancel Jesus' birthday party on his birthday, uh, but uh, they're gonna do, uh, we're going to do that, and then we're going to have two services on Christmas Eve. There'll be more information on, uh, on the city soon, and so be watching for that. Be thinking about who you're going to invite. Remember, the majority of people who are not Christians and say they, they never go to church, they've never been to church, the reason they say they've never gone is because nobody has ever invited them. And so let's invite them. If they say no, they say no, but let's at least invite them. And I'm glad to see all of you here today with the time change. A, a lady asked me this week, she goes, now this weekend our clocks go back, right? I said, yeah, that's correct. She goes, that's going to be a problem because uh, uh, I don't even know where I got them and I don't have any of the receipts. So. You know that? You know, occasionally I throw one of those in so it makes all of my other jokes sound really, really good. They're really funny. See, now that was funny. Okay, all right. So listen. Uh, thank you to John Wyman for preaching last week on the first half of jo uh, James chapter 4. Uh, did a great job. Appreciate him doing that and giving me a weekend uh, away and just to sp spend some time with my uh, family and friends and, and just get a little bit of a, a vacation. I really appreciate it. And, uh, uh, but I'm excited about uh, chapter 4, the end of chapter 4 this week. And we're going to get really right into it because there's a lot of stuff to cover here. It's a, it's a really good practical passage. Remember, uh, we're talking about James, the, the, the book in the Bible. We, we've given it this title, Faith That Works, because it really works out in real life. You know, there's many uh, times we read passages in the Bible. Uh, they all work out in real life. But we read a passage and it seems very theological. It, it seems very uh, kind of out here in space. We have to think about and how does it work and how does that fit into our lives and all this kind of thing. James is very practical and so the things that we're going to look at today are incredibly practical. They are things that we should either be doing or not doing in our lives already and uh, James is just going to give us some reminders and help us maybe to think through these things. Now these are also great topics because they are so practical. These are great topics to be discussing uh, in your community groups. So if you are not in a community group, uh, these community groups uh, are ongoing and you can get into them anytime. So it doesn't mean like if you weren't here the day the community group started, you can't get into them anymore. Uh, they're going all the time. People are coming into them all the time. And so take a look at the Connection Center uh, or our website at fogkc.com, both places. You can see where all the community groups are, what times they meet. I think we've got two on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, almost every night of the week except Friday and Saturday. And so um, if you want to get in a community group, now's the time to do it, perfect time. Uh, and these are some good topics for you to discuss this week. But let's get started. Let's see what it says. Uh, in James, we're going to start with uh, chapter 4 in verse 11. And the first principle is this. Do not speak evil against a brother. And look what it says in verses 11 and 12. It says, Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver 
and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Now we read a passage like that and we're like, that is so cool. Uh, Yes, finally. Nobody should ever tell me what to do anymore, right? Because if they tell me what to do, they're judging me. And I have a green light to live how I want and nobody can ever criticize me again. Wrong. Okay, that is not what this is talking about. Before you get all excited, it doesn't seem to be talking about accountability for obvious evil or sinful behavior. Okay, there are many things in the scripture which say, uh, God very specifically says these things. Those things are absolute, and we can't really deviate from those. Those things are either right or wrong, and God gets to decide that. We don't get to decide and so it's not talking about accountability. By the way, uh, I'm going to spend the majority of our time talking because it does talk about brothers, and that word does seemingly uh, refer to other Christians. So we'll talk about non-Christians here in a minute. Uh, but remember who this letter was written to, okay? It was a circular letter uh, from James, probably the pastor in Jerusalem, the, the half-brother of Jesus. It was a circular letter to the Jewish converts of Christianity. In other words, it wasn't like one of Paul's letters where he would write to a church in a city. Uh, James wrote this specifically to all of the Jewish Christians that were scattered abroad. And so it's a circulated letter. They call it a, circular, or a circulated letter, circular letter, because he's sending it out and they should read it and pass it on. And so this is going to all of the, the Jewish Christians, which is actually who he was writing to. That's important because all of these folks who came from a Jewish background have this sense of bondage to the law. They have this sense of, I, I, I am bound to the law. And even if you remember, this is one of the things that they struggled with their whole lives. Uh, being born and raised Jewish, uh, they now have freedom in Christ, and they're always fighting this kind of feeling inside of them of being bound to the law instead of being bound to grace and the law of liberty, which we'll see here in a minute in James chapter 1. Uh, but, but that sense... Uh, really causes them to want to, to wanna, uh, judge one another. It causes them to want to say, well, that's not right, that's not right. Well, there's a law against that, there's a law against that. Well, you can't do this, you can't do that. It causes them to live in this kind of, of culture where they're, they're passing judgment on one, or, one another almost consistently. They're looking for reasons to call each other out and to call each other back to what they think is right. Now, again, this passage is not talking about obvious sinful behavior. But it is talking about things we say and pass judgment on, probably without even realizing it. Now, I want to be honest with you. Sometimes I'll stand up here and I'll I'll speak about a certain uh, thing that we're talking about in the scripture. And I'll think this probably applies to 20% of us maybe, or maybe 50% of us. I think this probably applies to almost all of us. Almost all of us. Because we do this without even knowing we're doing it. Have you ever said or have you ever heard anybody else say something like this? You know, that family has no business buying a new house when they can't even afford decent clothes for their kids because kids in designer clothes is really important. Have you ever heard, I mean, have you ever heard yourself or anybody else say, you know, that's just not, what they're doing is just not quite right because they should do it a different way. You, know, they, you can tell that those folks live in that neighborhood because they're just trying to keep up with the Joneses. He's got a job where he's trying to look important and he's just trying to keep up. You can tell that's what they're doing. Folks, that's exactly what this is talking about. In James chapter 1, we see him talk about this law of liberty. 
And it allows each of us to be led by the Holy Spirit in matters that are not obvious sin. Okay, now if we see one another uh, 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 lying, we should call each other out on that. As Christians, we should call each other out. In a loving, kind way, we should call each other back to righteousness. If we see each other uh, uh, cheating on our taxes, or we hear somebody bragging about cheating on their taxes, uh, we should say, you know, listen, man, that, that's just, you know, God's pretty clear on that. We shouldn't do that. That's stealing. And we probably shouldn't do that. Well, we shouldn't do that. Not probably. We shouldn't do that. And so it, it, that's, that's one thing. This is different. What he's talking about here is seeing people doing something uh, or, or, or thinking they're doing something or even passing judgment on their hearts or their motives uh, on things that are not specifically sinful. Now, here's why we all do that. Because we're all humans. And we all have a tendency to believe that the way we do things is kind of the right way to do things. And the way we think about things is kind of the right way to think about things. I mean, it's just common sense, right? It's just common sense for you all to agree with me and to believe what I believe about everything because I'm pretty much right. Don't we all kind of think that way? And I know some of you are going, oh, Michael, that sounds really egotistical that you would say that. I don't think that way. Well, we all think we're right about everything because if we didn't, we'd change our minds, right? I think the Chiefs are the best team. And, and if I was proven wrong, well, that's probably a bad example. Uh, if I was proven wrong, uh, I would change my team. Does that make sense? We, we, when we realize that our opinions about something are not correct, we change our opinions. So we all have this tendency to believe that we're the ones who think things are right. The problem is we push that off on everybody else. And we see their lives and we see their, their behavior. We judge their motives. And we see that they do things a little differently than us. And so we pass judgment. Now this verse is really interesting because it says there's three things that happen when we do this. When we speak bad or evil about somebody or we judge them uh, on this law of liberty type of thing, there's three things that happen. First, we judge the law of liberty our, itself. In other words, we say, okay, God has given freedom in this area, but I know better. God, somehow, you should have made a law like this because you should make everybody do it the way I think they should. You know, we kind of, you know, bring ourselves up a little bit. We think we know better than actually God does. We place ourselves above the law. We say, okay, here's God's law, but listen, there's something bigger and better. My opinion. My, my, you know, I know God's given some freedom, but really, you know, the right way to do it is really my way. And the last thing he says is, you see, we see ourselves as the lawgiver instead of seeing God as the lawgiver. You know, folks, when we do that, this, we don't realize we're doing it, but we're doing the same thing that Satan did to get thrown out of heaven. When he was the archangel in heaven, he got thrown out and became Satan. And the reason he did that was because he wanted to elevate his throne above God's throne. He wanted to say, God, you're pretty cool, but I'm even cooler. And so God said, no, you're not. And I'm going to remind you of that constantly forever. Folks, when we get to the place where we say, okay, I know God hasn't made this a sin. I know he hasn't told us in the scripture to do this. 
But trust me, this is the way it should be done. And if you don't do it this way, you're doing it wrong. We're basically elevating ourselves above God and saying, God, we know a better way than you do. Now, we don't know that we're doing that. We're not intentionally doing that. But deep in our hearts, that's really what we're doing. When we speak evil against others or judge them in our hearts, some kind of the sinful behavior of others, we're taking God's position and elevating ourselves above him. Now, now listen, this does not mean that we can't make suggestions to people or share our life experience with people or share wisdom with others, especially when they seek our counsel. When somebody comes to you and asks for your opinion on something, it doesn't mean you can't share your opinion. But listen, just remember, it's your opinion. It's not God's ultimate word unless there's some kind of obvious sin. We got to be careful. Uh, you know, I remember when my uh, being raised with my father, he, you know, he was one of those uh, uh, old Chevy guys. You know, the only good cars in the world were Chevys. And he had a friend who was a Ford guy. And these two argued all the time. You know, Chevys are the best. No Fords are the best. I'm telling you, both of these guys absolutely thought they were 100% right. They would, they would have probably fought to the death if there was some kind of a cage match thing, you know. But the reality is they just had a difference of opinion. There's no right and wrong here. And, and we're going to talk here in a little bit about how God kind of leads us in this, under this law of liberty. Uh, but Julie and I are different in a, in a lot of ways. My wife Julie and I are, are different in many ways. And uh, one of them is the kind of movies that we're comfortable watching. Okay, uh, now I, I love action films, and if there's a lot of action and you know explosions and you know guys getting blown up and things going to happen, you know I, I just I love those action movies. You know she just can't she can't stand to watch them, and so we don't ever see those together. I'll usually see them with some friends or whatever. She she just like Michael that I, I I just can't do that. I just I had to feel bad about that, and so she can't watch those. Okay, but I do. I don't tell her she's wrong. She doesn't tell me that I'm wrong. We'll see here that he's going to talk about that even, even more specifically here in a minute. But folks, it's, it's, it's important for us to understand here uh, that we cannot judge others and criticize them. Now, I do want us to just make sure that we understand before we move on, this does not talk about specific sin. When you see people, Christians or unbelievers, people who haven't crossed the line of faith yet, if we see them in an obvious sin, uh, the Bible's very clear that we can, in love, call them out on that. It's not wrong to point out sinful behavior. But that's different than you doing life a little differently than I do it. That's very different. And James is wanting to make sure that we, we don't damage our relationships by trying to force our opinions about things uh, you know, on others. I remember when I was a, a young kid and uh, going to church all the time, uh, uh, you know, some of the kids in my church, actually on Sunday night, not on Sunday morning, but on Sunday night, they actually started wearing jeans to church. And I remember my mother saying, Michael, you are, you're just not going to do that. That is disrespectful to God. That is wrong. That is, and she had this idea that that was just totally wrong. And kind of in that culture, maybe it was, I don't know. The point is, folks, that there's nothing sinful or wrong about that. It's just a way of viewing life. It's an opinion. I would challenge you to find anything in the scripture that talks about that. Uh, but but let's, just, let's just understand here 
that, that when we speak evil against, a, especially, especially a fellow Christian folks, we are putting ourselves in the place of God and judging them. And we shouldn't be doing that. James is warning us against that. Now, before we look at the next point, I want to ask you a question. I want you to participate fully. I want you to raise your hand high if it applies to you. How many of you are living out the exact plan that you had for your life 10 years ago? Raise your hands. If you, if you say, hey, my life has worked out exactly like I thought it would 10 years ago. I was thinking about my future, and everything has worked out exactly as I planned. Let me see your hands. Okay, okay, that's 10 years a long time. What about five years ago? Five years you would say, I knew that I would be around the people I'm around. I would knew that I have the job that I have. I'd be living in the home that I have. I mean, I mean everything that I, I thought five years ago I would be doing, I am doing that exact plan right now. Let me see your hands. Good. I love an honest group of people. Look at the next principle. It's this. Do not be presumptuous about your future. Don't be presumptuous about your future. Look what it says in James chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. It says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we'll go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Wow. That's pretty big there. Now listen, James is not telling us hey, you know what? Just fly by the seat of your pants all the time. Don't make any plans. It's useless. It doesn't help at all. Don't make any plans. He's not saying that. Not saying that at all. In fact, the scripture is very clear in several places that a diligent man makes plans. Of course we make plans. We strategize. We, we plan on doing things a certain way and consider things. What it is saying is that we should not have a thinking process that presumes that we are in charge of our future. Because we aren't. We, we sometimes, uh, we, as we're making plans, as we're being diligent about saving and planning and doing whatever for the future, we sometimes get caught up in the thinking process that, you know, I'm going to make this happen because, after all, I'm in charge of my life. I'm in charge of the future. We presume where we'll be or what we'll be doing in fact, in this passage, it's very clear. Hey, you know what? I'm going to have a business. And I'm going to start this business. And I'm going I'm to go to this city. And I'm going to start this business. And here's how it's going to go. And here's how well I'm going to do. And I'm going to make these plans. And then I'm just going to execute it well. We know life doesn't work out like that. In fact, none of you had a plan five years ago of where your life would be today, including myself. In fact, James says, I want you to know uh, so much that you're not in charge, you can't even presume, presume you'll be alive. He said, you, you're, did you wake up this morning and you had a little mist on the inside of your windshield? What happens when you turn on the defroster? It was gone. It just vanishes. He said, your life is just like that. It's here. You can see it. It looks so real. Things are happening. And then... It's just gone. It's just gone. Now, in our line of calling, we deal with families that uh, had no idea some tragedy was coming. And this tragedy that some of you have experienced 
changes everything. In a single little moment of time, everything can change in our lives. In fact, our life could even be over. James is just helping us understand that we should not presume that we have some control over the future. Which leads to our next point. Remember your dependence on a sovereign God. Well, if he's wanting to say, I'm not in charge, who is? Let's take a look. Verses 15 and 16. Instead of thinking that way, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. What he's saying is every single plan that we have should have the caveat, if God wills. Now, maybe you say, well, you know, Michael, that's a little extreme. I mean, after lunch, I'm going to Culver's, and I know I'm going there. Really? What if somebody doesn't see you pulling out, or you don't see them coming down the highway? You might not make it to Culver's. So really, the, the attitude should be, if God wills, this is my plan. What that communicates, folks, is we do plan, we make plans, we, we, we prepare, but at the end of the day, God directs us. God directs us. And listen, I've had uh, many plans over the years, and, and almost none of them have happened exactly the way I planned. God's had me zigging and zagging my whole life. And I'll bet he's done the same with you, right? When we leave God's providence out of our thinking, he's saying here that we're being incredibly prideful. And that comes out like boasting in our mouths. Hey, God, I don't really care what your plan is. Here's what I'm going to do. Yikes. That's kind of a dangerous place to be. We don't want to be talking that way. Because at the end of the day, folks, God is in charge of the future. We are not. Even your future, God is in charge of. You are not. Now listen, I don't think James is actually saying every single time we express a plan, we should add the words, if God wills. Hey, I'll meet you tomorrow at the IHOP for breakfast, if God wills. Hey, uh, I'm going to go and run and get a drink here, if God wills. Okay, I'm not, he's not saying I don't think that we necessarily need to speak that every single time, but we need to have that attitude. We need to have that thinking. We need to have that heart. We need to have the understanding that we are in charge of nothing at the end of the day. God will move us where he wants us to be. That doesn't mean we throw up our hands and don't plan. It means that we plan we pray, we seek God's will, we ask him to give us direction, we have a plan, and then as we move that plan, as we move in that direction, we zig and zag as we see God working in our lives. That's how we follow God. I'll be honest with you, I am suspect to anybody who goes into an ivory tower and comes down from on high and says, this is God's plan. This is God's plan for me. This is God's plan for us. This is God's plan. Now, I might say, 
I feel like God's leading us this direction, or I feel like God's moving us this way, or I, I feel the, you know, God's impressing on my heart to do this. That's very different than saying, this is God's plan. Because folks, I just got to be honest with you. Almost every, and probably the only people that do that are pastors, preachers. Uh, most of the people that do that, those things never work out. They never work out exactly as they said they, the plan was. So either they were wrong up front or God's not able to do his plan. What, what, what James is trying to help us see here, folks, is, listen, we talk like God's not in charge of things. It comes out of our mouth all the time. We need to make sure that we don't really believe that, we don't really think that, and we need to talk in a little different way so that it comes out of our mouths that, hey, these are my plans, but I'm, I'm, just, I'm just here to follow God. And however he leads me, that's what I'm going to do. The last thing I want, to see, I want us to see here is uh, number four, and that is sins of omission are as evil as sins of commission. Sins of omission are as sinful as sins of commission. Look what it says in verse 17. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is a sin. Now that's an interesting verse. Because right there when it says for him it is a sin, it implies that some things are sin for some people and not for others. Now that might go against your thinking a little bit, uh, but that is what it means. Now listen, there are some universal principles. We are not relativists. We don't believe that everything is good or bad depending on its surrounding and the situation. Okay? Uh, there are some absolutes in the universe. God is absolutely God. God uh, absolutely sent his son Jesus to pay for the sins of the world. God absolutely loves us. There are a lot of absolutes in life. But this passage is saying there are some other things that perhaps are not absolutes, but they uh, are part of following God. If God's Spirit is impressing something on your heart, what this verse is saying is just take the Nike theology and just do it. Okay? Just do it. If God is impressing something on you, and listen, I don't, you'll probably never hear me say, God said this to me. I don't, I don't hear an audible voice. I've never heard God's voice. I don't hear some, uh, you know, angels singing and they say God's what, what he wants me to do. None of that kind of stuff. I just feel a prompting in my heart. I feel like God is, is causing me to think or feel a certain way. And he leads me that way. Uh, but be cautious when we think that this is happening. Okay? Because what happens is sometimes we assume that he's told everyone else the same thing he's told us. You know that whole human thing about how God, I, I see things the same and, and I think everybody else should see, see life the way I see it. We sometimes have this, we fall into this trap of thinking that, that God leads everybody else the same way he leads me or you. Uh, for instance, let's say God really puts it on your heart that, that you just want to go downtown and give free lunches to all the homeless people. I just want to go down and give them all a free sack lunch. Great. Just do it. But when you begin to share that with your Christian brothers and sisters, if they go, yeah, I'm not, I don't really feel like doing that. I'm, I'm going to do something else. I'm doing something else here. I don't have time to do that. Don't go, wait a minute. God told me to do this. He, so he's telling all the rest of you to support me in this. 
Help me with this. Let's do it together. Uh, be careful that we don't fall into that trap. Okay? Maybe God's calling you to uh, volunteer at some ministry like Parkville Women's Clinic or, or Compassion International or some other ministry somewhere. Great. Just do it. That doesn't mean that everybody in our church is going to be led or feel the same way to be involved in that kind of ministry. Now, there's certainly a place for group and community ministry. That's one of the reasons why God developed the local church. One of the reasons why we participate in group ministry here. There's also a place for individuality and individuals to be led by God to do certain things. By the way, uh, just as a word of caution, God will never lead you individually to disobey his word in any form. So if you come to me and say, hey, God has led me to do this and it goes against God's expressed word, I will look you square in the eye and say, no, he hasn't. You come to me and say, hey, listen, God's told me to go to the bars and get drunk with my friends on Friday and Saturday nights so they can relate to me and I can share the gospel with them. No, he hasn't told you that. You ate bad pizza before you went to bed. That's what that was. God's told me not to forgive my family because I can tell they really didn't mean it when they said they were sorry. No, he hasn't told you that because the scripture is very clear about forgiveness. Folks, we need to be really careful when we are, 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 are thinking that God has called us to do something or is, or is leading us to do something uh, that we don't fall into this trap of doing something uh, that is against his word. In fact, I'd just be really cautious about using the words God told me uh, in an effort to, uh, you know, because sometimes people say that in an effort to rally support around what they want to do or to justify some behavior. And, 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 and if you disagree with them, you're going against God. Okay? Uh, so just, you know what? You don't have to declare everything that God's leading you to do. Just do it. If God's leading you to minister to a group of people or do something, you don't have to get up and declare it and invite everybody to participate with you. Just do it. God may be leading you individually to minister in that way. I think it's interesting, as I said this, in this verse, it says, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, to him it is a sin, not to everybody else. So remember that underneath this um, kind of umbrella of, of, of the law of liberty, God is not only directing us as a group or as a church, but he's directing us individually at times to do certain things and to be involved in ministry in certain ways. But let's not fall into the trap of believing that everybody should do it exactly like we should. As we look at this list here, and we see that James is encouraging us not to speak evil against a brother, and, and don't presume about our future. Remember our dependence on the sovereign God. You know, a lot of that has to do with our, our, uh, our speech. A lot of that has to do with the words that come out of our mouth. Because James has this kind of uh, a central theme that is this. What is in here eventually always comes out here. It always comes out here. And the problem for, pe for some people is... They say, you know, I just need to change the way I speak. I just need to change uh, the water that comes out of here. But folks, if you don't change the spring, it doesn't change the water. And so the only way that we can really get a handle on how we speak to people, the things that we say about people, 
The only way that we can get a handle on the words that come out of our mouth as far as our presumptions about who's in charge of the universe, the only way we can get a handle on all of that is to let our hearts be changed by God. And the only way that we can do that is to first realize that we're sinners and that we can't do anything to fix that. We, we can't do enough righteous stuff to dilute our sin and we can't stop sinning. And so God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for us so that by putting our faith and trust in that gift, he could come and change our hearts. And by the changing of our heart, folks, that should change everything that comes out of our mouth. It really should. And so for those of you who maybe have not crossed the line of faith today, I want to encourage you, don't leave today until you put your faith and trust in Jesus. Let him transform you from the inside out, from down deep in the heart to let it come out of your mouth. And for those of us who have crossed the line of faith, if we see these things and we go, man, I, I fall into that sometimes, I struggle with that sometimes, it's just a matter of yielding to God's spirit more. It's a matter of, of doing what he wants more. You know, it's, it's, a, 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 it's an interesting, a lot of interesting parallels between God, God's relationship with us and parents' relationship with their children. Here's what I know about parenting, uh, both being a child of parents and being a parent. And that is, the more a child listens to their parents, the more their parents' voice is clear and audible, the more they clearly understand what their parents want them to do. And folks, if God's uh, voice seems a little distant to you, if, if you feel like your heart has been changed because you put your faith and trust in Christ, and yet what comes out of your mouth uh, is not a, a revelation of that, perhaps just start listening to his voice a little more. Yield to it more. And the more we become obedient, the more clear his voice is. The closer the sheep are to the shepherd, the louder his voice is. And so let's, let's just think about that. Let's, let's, as we talk in our community groups this week, let's just talk about practical ways that we can help each other uh, to not talk bad about others, uh, to not judge them and, and, and put judgments that aren't in the scriptures onto other people. Let's talk about how we can uh, keep this uh, thinking process that, yes, we will make plans, we will do our best uh, to, to plan for the future, but at the end of the day, God is in charge we're just along for the ride. We're just along for the ride. And so we're going to commit to that and embrace his will for us. Talk about that this week. I, I pray that uh, those will be great conversations that will help us all to follow him more closely. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word that gives us such great uh, lessons in life. Thank you for James and for the uh, practicality of the things he talks about. Father, I pray that you'd help us, uh, help me for the times that I have failed you, uh, when I have talked about others, when I have judged others, when my heart has been evil in uh, presuming that everybody should be like me. Uh, Father, help us all to grow in this area and to become more like your son. Father, help us to uh, really depend on you for the future. Yes, help us to, to make plans and to hear your voice as we make those plans and to, to really embrace your plan for us. But at the end of the day, Father, when things don't work out the way we planned, uh, help us to not 
uh, kind of lose our minds about that, but just to follow you, to be okay with the way that you zig and zag our lives because we acknowledge to you that our next breath is only because of your mercy. Father, we love you. We thank you. We pray that you will do a great work in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.